great for recording. Yay! <laughs> I feel like that's how every podcast starts. Great for recording. Yay! <laughs> Hi, Sally. Hey, Tyler. Hey, everybody out there in listener land. <laughs> Welcome to a year ago today. <laughs> that doesn't get any less funny. Oh, oh boy. Here we go. Let's do it. Oh, before we even start, I just have to say that I woke up with a killer headache this morning, and I'm trusting that I'm going to be able to function well enough to record a podcast, but if I don't sound normal, that's why. <laughs> I love how you say that, I mean, because then if we stopped recording the podcast, then they would never hear this. Well, maybe we would stop in the middle, and they, they would just be like, oh, well, Tyla must have passed out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, I don't know. No, we're going to do it. Yes, it's <sighs> happening. Okay. Sally, what's the best thing that's happened to you since the last time we recorded? Oh, man. Not a lot has happened. So much has happened. What are you talking about? What has happened? <sighs> I don't remember. I don't remember the last time we recorded, nor do I remember what has happened since then. So I was going to say I was going to say that the dance party that I just had for the minute before we started recording was the best thing that happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> nothing else. It was part dance party and part striptease because I'm wearing more clothes than I normally wear in the closet. <laughs> and it didn't occur to me until I got in here and closed the door and like, it's oh, a million degrees. <laughs> so I like was like taking off my shirt while I was That's having really a solo funny. dance party. For so are you just recording this in your bra? Well, no, I still have pants on because that's really hard to take off my pants in this closet. It's There's not enough space. Yeah, but you don't have a shirt on. Right. I don't have a shirt on. That's I just funny. have a bra on. That's really funny. I've recorded the podcast in my underwear before. Yeah, I, well, once I recorded it naked, but... <laughs> <laughs> what episode? Do you remember? No, I don't remember. Oh I just remember God. that it was, like, unbearably hot, and so being in the closet made it even worse. You see, these things we do for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so that's boy. the best thing that happened to me so far this week, even. Well, it is only Monday morning. Yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Well, oh, man, that conversation that we just had was pretty great. <laughs> I might say that, but really the best thing that happened to me this weekend is I, I'm home and my mom was leading a level three Reiki workshop and I had received my level one and two from her back in 2006, which is crazy. That's 10 years ago. and a long time. So this weekend I received my level three training. And so it's great to have finally completed that after 10 years. And then even more than that, it was so, so fun to just be here to support my mom and to watch mm -hmm. her like really in her element and to support her and after night one of the workshop, she was feeling a little frustrated, and then I started feeling really inspired, and we ended up getting really, really inspired and throwing her plan for day two out the window and completely Ugh. writing a new plan. I love it. Uh, and it was so cool because I got to really, like, support her in doing her best work, and at the same time, I got a lot more insight into the work that I'm meant to be doing in the world because I was on fire. Mm -hmm. And it, I'm so excited for what it means for my business to have had a glimpse of what I can do to help someone bring something that they're making back into a place of flow, which is what I essentially did for her. Magical. I so many it. good things. 
Oh, that's so great. Yeah. I'm also curious, but we can talk about later about what has happened in my life since the last time we recorded. <laughs> since I now find it concerning that I don't remember anything. <laughs> yeah, that's a little weird. So we're going to come back to that after this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but for now, let's record a podcast. Let's do it. Okay, so our guest today is Eliza. Hi, Eliza. Hey, guys. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited to have Eliza on because I like sent her a Facebook message and a lot of times if I ask someone and they don't respond, they don't follow up, but I really adore her. So I sent her another Facebook message and she still didn't respond. And then I saw her in person and I was like, hey, <laughs> did you get my messages? And she was like, no, I didn't get them. And I was like, all right, I'm going to. I'm going to, I got your phone number now. I'm going to text you. I'm going to email you. I'm going to hunt you down. Yeah. This is the problem. This is the problem with the internet is that you can like have as many Facebooks as you want. So a long time ago, I like created a second Facebook that is just like my first and last name. And I was like, oh, great. I'll put all my professional stuff on here. Anybody trying to find me will, will search this. And then they'll see like really like, like a put together, like totally professional Eliza Simpson. And then uh, my personal Facebook will be like using my middle name and it'll be like full of like pictures of me eating peanut butter out of the jar. Like it'll be just like exclusively that. That'll be my whole Facebook feed, Facebook wall. Um, so yeah, so I created two, but unfortunately I never checked the professional one. I haven't updated it. Like in three years, it's it just like lives in cyberspace eating <laughs> Facebook messages that people try to send me so in a professional way. What's so funny is I don't even know if it was that one or not. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because I see the things you post on Facebook, you know, like pictures of you eating uh, peanut butter out of a jar. So I don't know. <laughs> oh, really? So you sent it to the to my personal one? I oh, well, then why so. don't I have him? I don't know. It doesn't matter. The internet's a strange place. You're guys. here now, and that's what counts. <laughs> It's all like a very complicated ruse. I've just like been like waiting like a spider. No. Such an important lesson for me. We haven't even gotten into the podcast. I'm already having an awareness. But like it's so easy to take things personally when you like if I were to reach out from you and knowing how much I really adore you and not hear back and to assume that then you don't like me or like you're not interested. And then when, when I saw you in person, you were so enthusiastic. And I was like, oh, see, it's not me. There was some glitch in technology. It's not that she hates me and thinks I'm a loser. It's, <laughs> it's that she didn't receive my message. <laughs> yeah. It's so, it's, it's, um, God, that is easy to do, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, I know, I know as like an actor, like I was walking out of an audition the other day thinking to myself, oh man, not only did I really mess up that audition, but like I wore the wrong thing. Like I introduced <laughs> myself wrong. Like I got judged hard and they hate me and they think I'm terrible <laughs> did you get at the job? life. No. But oh, I thought um, you made, they called and I got the And then they the called and they were like, You're the one, kid. No. But I, but like I, I give myself I give myself this rule and I think a lot of people have it, is that you're only allowed to think about the audition for as long as it takes you to get to the next thing you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was walking and also sometimes, you know, like I want to call and like unload all of my crazy on someone. Uh, but I have kind of like, I've kind of played that card too many times with my close <laughs> intimate friends. You're so like feel, now getting to the outer circle of friends. It's like, I can't do that to you anymore. Um, so I started doing a thing where I will record a voice memo of myself. Oh, that's um, saying yeah, that's saying smart. all the crazy and then I can listen to it back and kind of like like be the other person on the phone for myself be like yeah I know it's hard it's rough yeah. <laughs> we talked um, about this before in an yeah. episode with our with our friend Laurel 
Oh, and yeah. She, she does the same thing sometimes, or she has at least once that we know of. <laughs> where she, like, records all of the things that her, the voice in her, her head is saying and yeah. then goes back and listens to it and has a conversation with that voice. I'm, like, amazed that other people do this. This is apparently a thing. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I guess so. It's really helpful. It's, while listening to it, I was able to be like, oh, honey, no, they don't. They don't care. Like, they don't, they're not judging you. They really are not judging you. You are everything's like, everything's okay. Everything's fine. Right. They care like zero. It's cool. You're good. <laughs> they some, already don't remember easy. you. They already have forgotten you, <laughs> which somehow is better than the idea that I'm being thought ill of somewhere in the universe. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. ah, I love Eliza so much. Eliza, I love you so much. <laughs> Oh, this man. is amazing. <laughs> okay, so let's let's should we like talk about the thing that we're here? We to should talk about? record a podcast. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So Eliza, I would like to invite you to close your eyes <laughs> and take a really deep breath in and go back to a year ago today and describe for us in just one word how you were feeling. Exhausted. Mm-hmm. No one's ever said that. Before. Yeah, I like that one. <laughs> oh, okay, so a year ago today was mm-hmm. the first performance of The Motherline, which is a show that Eliza created, and it's all about storytelling, and it creates a platform for women to tell the stories of their ancestors. And I've seen one of these shows, and it's just absolutely gorgeous, and so I'm so excited. Eliza's here to talk to us about it. Oh, I just felt a little NPR in my voice. <laughs> I'm so excited Eliza's here to talk to you today. Yeah. yeah. Really, hey, I Krista really Tippett. What's up? Yes. Oh, my God. Krista Tippett. Oh, wow. <laughs> I can, no. like, die happy now. <laughs> she is here. She's in the room. Um, so tell us, tell us about the motherline and tell us about what was going on really a year ago when you were about to have that first performance well, the uh, the seed of the idea came through the concept of the mother line itself, which is um, your maternal ancestry. So your mother, her mother, her mother. and um, That all- alone gives me chills. <laughs> the concept of the mother line by itself is so stunning. It is an amazing, uh, just energetically speaking, it's a, it's a very unique connection, but also a really available connection. The idea being that any woman, whether or not she chooses to have children, she is a womb within a womb for the nine months that she's inside of her mother. So mm-hmm. uh, just like energetically, she's a vessel within a vessel. She catches things, uh, energy, um, huh. trauma, passion, power, like all of these things that are just, she's, she's sitting there catching it <laughs> like a, like a chalice. <laughs> and, um, and then she comes into the world. And, you know, there are, there's all these wonderful studies coming out about, oh my gosh, now, now I'm totally blanking. <laughs> but the, this, the, the genetic science that tells us that we inherit experience, especially trauma, epigenetics. Sorry, there it is, epigenetics. And so science is, is backing up yet again this kind of ancient idea that we inherit things, experiences from the generations that came before us. So I'm an actor and a storyteller. What that meant for me was um, I have connections to all of these experiences, all of these stories. Um, They're deep and they're primal, and I want to give voice to them. And the best way that I know how to do that as an actor is to act them out. 
And originally the idea was like, well, I'll do a one-woman show as myself, my mother, and my grandmother. But the idea of that was like, oh, God, oh, that's the worst. <laughs> Who, that's a to That's a lot. But also, like, who's going to come see? That's just so self-indulgent. Well, I would have come see. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yes, but sitting on that concept, I was, I was thinking to myself, well, you know, we all, we all have this connection. And when I say we all, I'm, I want to be clear about this because language is important. The Motherline Story Project gives a platform to any person who identifies as a woman because I believe the womb to be an energetic construct as well as a biological <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. organ. So that means that if you identify as a woman, then you have access to this same very available connection back through your mother line. So we're giving this platform to women to kind of reach back along that connection, um, find a story that needs to be told, and then speak it as the ancestor. We, uh, we have a writing structure that is, you know, about two minutes long. It has to be in the first person. It has to be a very specific audience um, so that, you know, it's like a, a snapshot of in time. Them speaking to someone else, themselves in the mirror, you know, but someone very specific. And this leads to these really gorgeous, just like uh, snippets of experience realized and lived through by someone who is connected energetically to the person who lived through that moment. And what that means is that they can do all of the research that is possible, names and dates and places and, you know, (laughs) the temperature, that time of year and that kind of thing. But where there are gaps in the story, what might she have said then? How would she respond to this? The storyteller fills that in. And we're relying on the idea of epigenetics that your your assumption, your you know gut instinct, your first response, is closer to the truth of what happened than anyone else's on the planet. Mm. So it's a it's a writing exercise, a theatrical experiment that really empowers as well as helps to like self reflect. You are the expert on this. Don't think about it. Just say it. It's right. And um, I've seen incredible, beautiful stories come out of this. Beautiful performances, too, by these storytellers. And they're so unique. So beautifully, just like crystalline and unique. And they all come from the same prompt. Every time we get together, we have the same writing structure. Everybody gets the same prompt. And maybe the prompt is secrets. Maybe the prompt is rituals. Every story has to... Uh, be about or contain a ritual in it. And y- y- it, the different directions that people run with this, the, the the breadth of topic and content of story is mind-boggling because everybody is so unique. And the further they reach back into the hyper-unique experiences of their ancestors, the more and more um, just like specific and and surprising the stories get and it's it's amazing i'm obsessed wow i mean i already loved it and i've seen it but hearing you talk about it it's obviously something that is so special is not even the right word i was going to say something special to you but it's bigger than that it is very dear to my to my heart i'm lucky and i have a very um, easy and um wonderful relationship with my mother 
but what I like to say is that no matter, no matter how you feel about your relationship with your mother, nobody has a, um, blase connection mm-hmm. to their mother. Everybody has a, it's a, it's an intense connection. Mm-hmm. So, Whether it's um, positive or positive or not negative mixed <laughs> most of the time, I'd say 99% of the time it's a, it's a mixed bag, you know, it's a, it's <laughs> complex, Yeah, but it's uh it's very strong and it connects you back. You know, you are the sum of all of these experiences. It's a really wonderful reminder that we are the end of the story, you know? Mm. And it's a, it's great. It's a great project. It feels good too, because the idea of the motherland, the concept of the motherland was something taught to me by my mother. And she's a, she's a, a massage therapist and acupuncturist. And, um, she leads a woman's spirituality circle. And so she's the first person, you know, she's kind of, she, she raised us in the woods um, <laughs> so we, I get a lot of this from her and it, it feels like it, it just feels, it feels good to be able to honor that. It sounds like your mom and my mom would really get along. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking that I was like, Oh my gosh, she led a level three Reiki. What? Yeah. <laughs> oh, That's so <boy>. dope. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Pretty excited about it. <laughs> well, Sally, I particularly want to know what's going on for you because I mean, speaking of complicated relationships with one's mother. Oh boy. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> didn't know this is the road we were going on. <laughs> well, I didn't either, but it's really the thing that I, it's what I actually really want to know. So how are you relating to everything that Eliza is sharing with us? Um, well, I'm loving all of it. And actually through most of what you were saying, Eliza, I was thinking, I was thinking a few things. One is how I've been feeling more connected in the last several months to like my mother's mother and perhaps her mother. Women I've never met because my mother's mother died when my mother was 16 or 15 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking like how difficult this would be for families like mine where nobody ever talks about anybody who's not alive. <laughs> like, mm, yeah. like we just they don't exist like trying to know things about my grandmother I, like i i don't know anything about her other than her name and that she was married and had a lot of kids mm-hmm. and like <laughs> maybe she got sick and then died <laughs> it's, um, uh, yeah it's amazing right people become yeah. these like names on family trees yeah and that you know nothing about and so i like because of this because she keeps coming up as like being in my like spiritual posse and then she came up a little bit in my ayahuasca ceremony last month and mm-hmm. i guess two months ago whenever the hell that was All right it's just been this interesting thing that i kind of like i keep trying to think of like well what would she think in this situation or like how this story that i've heard about my mother how would she feel about it like does she would she think that it happened this way or would she think that it happened a totally different way so that's a lot of what I was thinking was not really my mother at all Mm. but was like her mother and just I guess the women in my family in general Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah but in terms of my mother and my relationship to my mother I I I mean it's fine (laughs) Um, fine is the word that I would now use for it it just because, like, I feel at peace with it, so I don't care that I don't really have a relationship with her. I guess mm. I'm curious how you feel about the idea of having inherited your mother's experience, because 
she, I think, has probably had some really challenging ones. I mean, I feel that every day. So, <laughs> so it's a level of like observation that I've grown to, that I've become accustomed to, I guess, like every so often just asking myself, oh, that thing that I did, that, that felt so weird. Like, why did I do that? Or why did I respond that way? Or why did this upset me? I don't understand because nothing in my life would lead me to think that this is my reaction. Mm-hmm. And I find that that happens, I mean, at least every few days, like something will happen and I'll be like, oh, I think that maybe this is because of my mother and like her experience and how she would respond to this or how something that might have happened to her is similar to this or, you know, whatever, something like that. Yeah. yeah. I think that is an amazing, <laughs> it is an amazing thing. Where did this come from? <laughs> Why yeah. did I just react this way? Wait, I have a real, I, this story is like not a deep emotional one, but I think it's fascinating and it's really coming up to share. The other night I was putting away some groceries and I always, Oh, I love the story. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, a profound moment for me. Matt and I always buy, you know, enough meat to like put in the freezer to get us through for a few weeks till we go grocery shopping again. And, um, I always like take the meat out of its styrofoam container and put it into freezer Ziploc bags. And then I label it. I'll be like chicken August 9th. And the other night I was labeling the chicken or I was about to label the chicken and I was really tired and I was like, I don't want to do this. And then I was like, why do I even do this? <laughs> and I was like, I could tell it's chicken by looking at the bag. <laughs> and then I really stopped for a second and I was like, why? Why do I? And I was like, well, my, that's how my mom does it. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, why does she do it? And I was like, well, she has like more freezer space than I have room for the clothes in my closet. <laughs> and um, so she puts things in there and sometimes they stay in there a really long time and you need to know what date they went in <laughs> so that you know whether or not to keep them or throw them away. And and I was like, but I don't have that much freezer space. <laughs> so yeah. it doesn't make any sense that I'm labeling the, the chicken with the date because I can tell it's chicken and I know it's not going to be in there longer than a month. And... <laughs> Yeah. And then I decided I don't have to label my meats anymore. And it's mind blowing. I mean, it blows my mind because how many things are we doing day in and day out that we've inherited from mothers and grandmothers and great grandmothers? Yeah. Because no one ever stopped to ask the question why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How, when do uh, when do routines become rituals? Become traditions? Become? Uh, you know, it's it's funny. A lot of times in. Uh, in sharing these stories, when, uh, if you're going to, you know, perform them like a monologue, the storyteller will say, well, I don't know how she would have said this. And I don't know how she would have reacted, especially I find, especially in moments of like heightened emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something about, uh, this isn't my moment to tell. I don't know how this would have actually happened or gone down. I don't feel comfortable. And a lot of times the answer is do it as yourself. Just do it as yourself Mm. because I know personally for me, I did a story where I was freaking out and I did it as myself and realized that I learned how to be angry from my mother. Mm. I learned how to be scared, how I learned how to like, (laughs) there's something that happens to my voice when I am freaked out. It's this, I, that is like, (laughs) I learned that from my mother because we don't know how to process until we see it done. Mm -hmm. now and maybe we don't get to see it done 
And so we just, you know, that stuff has to get inherited. It has to get passed down because we do everything in an attempt to survive, right? All of these, all of these things that get passed down to us, they're so that we can survive better in the world. Mm -hmm. So uh, that comes up a lot, a lot, a lot. And, and the answer is always do it as yourself. That you got passed down a whole bunch of stuff. And in there somewhere is the seed of what that is what this person gave you. But I want to just like speak just for a second, um, because I know that um, a lot of people don't have contact with their biological motherline. And the last thing that we want to do with this platform is to um, say no or to be like, actually, <laughs> quid pro quo. Um, so it, it, I want to make it really, really clear that this this platform is for anyone who who feels they are a woman so all women and it is for them to speak to their motherline in whatever way that manifests for them mm-hmm. so yeah. if they want to use this as a chance to explore their biological motherline that is what they should do if they want to use this as a chance to speak to and honor and explore mm-hmm. the motherline that mothered them then that is what they should do because the the job of motherhood um, how do I put this? Having never had a child myself. Um, it starts at birth. It's a job. Like it's a joy can be, but it's a, it's a job. It's hard work and it takes showing up every day. And I believe that that, that showing up every day, that imprints and gifts and uh, passes down as much as what's in your genes. So that's how I feel about that. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, especially when you're talking about the things that are like, you're like, oh, I learned how to be angry from my mother. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something that probably has roots both in utero mm-hmm. and afterward. Yeah, so, absolutely. Because absolutely. you, as a, I would assume that as a fetus, you experience the anger that your mother feels in her body as a certain way. And yeah. it's completely different than after you're born to see it modeled. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. I think, uh, I think there's not as much difference between nature and nurture as we, as we would like to believe. Mm-hmm. I believe that everything that touches us is nature and it mm. all nurtures us. So mm. that's gorgeous. Yeah, should, that is. That should be like an Put it on a quote t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Magnets coming soon. Oh, um, well, Eliza, I want to know when you, well, I want to know if you think of this at all in terms of the capacity that it has to help women heal. And I want to know if, if you do think of that, is that something that was present for you before you created this? Or is it something that you've learned since you've created it? Um, this is purely a theatrical exercise. This is purely, we do a a podcast and we do a YouTube channel and we do workshops, which are kind of like, um, moth nights. And then we do presentations, which are a lot like just storytelling, sharing nights, open mics. So there's a lot of different ways that we interact with these stories, but we are not therapists. Um, the motherland story project is not drama therapy. First of all, because we don't have the degrees. We just don't. <laughs> we're not therapists. And we're not, so we're not equipped to handle that and like help untie those knots in that way. Um, so purely a theatrical exploration and exercise. But that said, 
in exploring and exercising, you can, you can do a lot of healing for yourself. Mm-hmm. You can, uh, you can do a lot of self-reflection and literally exercise some demons. Um, a lot of times the only thing that it takes to break a pattern that doesn't serve you is to uh, recognize it, mm-hmm. to see it. And when you see it, you can, you can release it. You can acknowledge that it doesn't serve you anymore and, uh, and you can release it. So that, that is on the storyteller. I think, uh, I think this project is an amazing chance for people to explore. I think it has the potential to heal, but that is not its aim. That was really, really exciting about this for me is that both as a storyteller and as an audience member, you get to look at other people's experiences, other people's history, see them in this rich, rich light and go, wow, they're so unique and different from me. And yet I see so much that we share. It's an amazing leveler. It's, uh, it's universal but it's universal in that it is hyper-specific and personal. Mm-hmm. So it can, it can, it can, it's a, it's a great source of empathy. Our next, our next steps with this project are taking it to different places around the country and around the globe and holding workshops and then performances, recording them or filming them in some way, but being able to share them um, with people all over the globe so that there's a chance to kind of spread that empathy And again, you can go anywhere and do it with anyone because the minute you talk to someone, they are the expert on the subject you want them to write about. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing chance for people to, uh, (laughs) claim, claim and express and shine. And I think it's, uh, it's universal and I'm gonna test that by taking it everywhere. (laughs) I'm oh, so excited. I, yeah, I think it's going to do so well. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I can't imagine it not because, like you're saying, it's so universal. And the show that I saw, I mean, I related to every single story that was told, even though the experiences weren't the same. It's like the dynamic <laughs> exists. It's like you can see the dynamic in your own mother line watching someone else explore theirs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a, and I think it would be amazing to watch you know, a set of stories from maybe uh, the Middle East or a set of stories from uh, Eastern Europe or, you know, anywhere on the globe and go, oh, oh, yeah, (laughs) totally. That's me. That's me and my mom Mm -hmm. right there. There's Um, something else, too. I feel like that so often the experiences of women and the power of women has been discounted in the way we talk about our histories and kind of the way that society works, especially if you want to even like thinking about like Middle Eastern society, like what a powerful way to give these women in our mother line, their voices back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. It comes up a lot in the research. There is a kind of a a taboo. People say, well, this isn't my story to tell. Mm. And it is, it is your story to tell. If it's anybody's, it's yours. Yeah, in a lot of places in the world, the the female experience um, has a, a shroud, a, a mystery. And um, sometimes that is for safety. <laughs> it, it has developed for the, for the very good reason of protecting. But it also means that uh, sometimes it's more difficult to celebrate 
Because if we don't talk about it, we can't honor it. We can't celebrate it. Um, We can't attack it, (laughs) which is good. But um, this, this is a very, a very unique chance for people connected to the stories to, to bring the female experience into, into a loving limelight. Mm. A loving limelight. Mm -hmm. I like that. Another (laughs) t-shirt. Yeah. (laughs) I want to know a little bit more about your experience creating this, what your kind of emotional journey was creating it. And then how you went from having the idea to having it be a thing in the world. Cause that's a big, right. Right. A big like journey. (laughs) That's the step. It's, um, it was a wonderful experience making it actually. I, I had the idea, the concept came to me. I had gone to see a show in um, this wonderful place called uh, Dixon Place, uh, which is downtown in New York City. And uh, the show was beautiful. And on the way out, somebody said, yeah, yeah, if you apply to Dixon Place, they will give you the space and you can perform there. That That's their mm. gig. That's what they do. Mm. And I don't know what happened, but I went home that night and I wrote up this proposal, this application to Dixon Place. <laughs> and I, I, it all kind of like came out of me and I was, this is what it, it will be. And this is what it will look like. And this is what it will sound like. And I even, it was like, who are your producers? And I listed myself and then I listed two other people and then I just sent it off. And <laughs> then I emailed those two people. <laughs> I was like, Hey, do you want to co-produce this with me? And they said, no. that's so great. Like, luckily they were just so game. It was just like, yes, let's go. Let's do it. And then we heard back from Dixon Place several months later and and got the space for a night. And so by then it, we had turned it into what we had always wanted it to be. But yeah, it was uh, sometimes the, the impetus for things happens in the strangest ways. This whole project's been amazing. Uh, uh, we have these wonderful workshops. We, I, I have been lucky enough to be a part of a couple of artistic institutions in New York City and elsewhere um, that have an incredible community of female artists. And so reaching out to people and, and pitching them the idea of like creating a piece around their mother line was surprisingly achievable. So I reached out to people. They were super willing, which made this whole thing possible. People willing to, people willing to kind of go with you there. And I know personally, I've written stories for kind of almost every workshop that we've done. And speaking as a, as a writer, it's been so good for me. So healthy. And so, uh, so just like mind rocking. And I, there's a pattern, you know, like I write these stories, I reach back into my own history and I write like five or six stories and I look at them and there is absolutely a theme. There's like a a theme that I didn't know was a thing for me. There's a bunch of themes. So, you know, in, in the way that often is when you're writing about your ancestors, you really writing about yourself. And, um, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot, learned a lot. A lot. <laughs> Notice how I'm not sharing it, yeah. what it is, I to say, but it's a lot. Exactly. Tell us a little bit. I want to know. I want to know at least, well, I actually want to know what it is you don't feel comfortable telling us. <laughs> of course. But, of course. but of course. if you don't feel like you can share that, I would love for you to share some of what you've learned because it feels very present. Mm. I, I, it's, hmm. it's interesting. It's hard to express. Having written a couple of stories in a row, there seemed to be a theme of babies and uh, the dichotomy of loving your baby and not wanting your baby. 
Mm. And (laughs) everything that that means. And that's interesting. I did not know that was such a strong theme for me. Uh, I have a really, really, again, like really um, open and uh, communicative relationship with my mom. And, you know, she wanted to have babies when she had babies. So this is not particularly personal for her. Um, But that just helps me understand that for a lot of generations in my family, that was a really contentious issue. Mm -hmm. That was, uh, and it's still, it's, it's carried down the line, even though the generation right before me didn't have to face it personally. Mm -hmm. Um, it's carried down the line and it kind of like, it like brings a, a, like it chokes me up, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's really big. Amazing. Amazing. And I, you know, like I, (laughs) it's just so crazy. It's so crazy to it. It makes me stop in the middle of my life where I'm just so concerned about what's going on with me and how I'm going to get to the next thing that I'm doing and like what's going on with my life and what does my life mean? You know, like in the middle of these questions, it makes me stop and go, I am a part of something so much bigger than myself that's been happening for so much longer than I've been alive. That's so wonderfully humbling and grounding Oh, <laughs> hey guys! Amazing, <laughs> I love it. Hey, I'm back. Hey. <laughs> I went somewhere and now I'm back. I went somewhere and now I'm back. I have to tell you guys, I'm as we know already. I'm at my childhood home right now, and mm-hmm. I'm looking out the window, and my mom just walked outside in a bikini. Oh boy! Hey yo! Crawled into a hammock. Oh. And I'm just having this moment of like real tenderness. Um, Mm. We've been doing a lot of personal growth, both my mother and I, in the last year. I guess I'm saying this to Eliza because if you've been listening, you already know this. But so much of what we've been doing in terms of personal growth work has been around healing these things that Mm. were passed down. And realizing that we're part of something bigger. And I believe that when you heal something, it doesn't just heal for you, but that you can also heal it both backwards and forwards in time. Mm. And it's been really gorgeous to have this experience with her and to feel like together she and I are kind of like, I was going to use like, something about running into battle, but that's the wrong analogy because it's much gentler than that. You're doing healing work. Yeah. We're doing the healing and we're doing the healing for all of the women that came before us and all of the women that will come after. Mm -hmm. And it feels that way. And I often think about the fact that I hope to have a daughter someday. And I... I think probably more often, judging by the emotional response I'm having in my body right now, mm-hmm. that's probably much more present for me than I have even allowed myself to feel, is that I I will go through something, and I will think, like, I am doing this so that the woman who comes after me doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
That's so interesting because one of the awarenesses that I'm having as your, oh, I just banged my door. Um, <laughs> as your, as you were talking, Eliza was, so I've, I don't know that my mother, I mean, I guess that she wanted to have children when she had me. I don't know, but I know that growing up, I only ever saw myself as a burden to her and as a curse from God. That is it. That was the only thing that I knew myself to be. Whoa. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so. Sally can say that without a lot of emotion. <laughs> well, because it's, it's been like a while yeah, to get there. years of like work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but so the thing that that I've always like known that I'm only now realizing I knew is like my deep fear of like, okay, well, if I have a kid, I'm like, I have to be 155% certain that this is the kid that I want <laughs> because mm. if there's any part of me that can pass that down and like the bur that burden energy down in that way, like I don't want any part in it. But this is really only in the last like, I guess, year or so that I've really been realizing that that's why I didn't even, I mean, I knew that I didn't want to have kids for a long time or that I thought I didn't want to have kids because I was like, oh, well, my family screwed up and I don't want to be, you know have a screwed up family but it didn't occur to me like how deeply that went and why and all of that so I'm just being reminded of it as you talk is like just that awareness and remembering that it's safe to want to have a child basically mm -hmm. <laughs> um, not yeah. that I'm gonna have one tomorrow but I think that that this conversation is really like adding layers to that of like it's okay all is well whatever I choose to do and if it's from a space of love, like only love can come from it. And mm -hmm. I can't control what that child's reaction is going to be and like how they're going to respond to the world. But certainly I can trust that I've done enough work and that I'm conscious enough to go forth in the way that feels good. Yeah. And gosh, that just made me realize that, yes, the work, the healing work, you, you are constantly doing it mm -hmm. and you are sending it backwards and forwards. So again, like it is safe to have a, to want to have a baby <laughs> because mm -hmm. the baby comes into the world and maybe everything isn't, isn't perfect and, and things still get messed up and the baby yeah. still, you know, is going to have troubles and things like that. But the baby keeps doing the healing. And yeah. whatever, you know, like healing, there still is left to do for you and all the people who came before you. That baby keeps on doing the healing work and keeps sending mm -hmm. it back to you. Yeah. So like, you don't have to set it all to rights, you know? Yeah. That's th th suddenly when you're connected to your ancestors and to the people who come before you, there's suddenly a lot more hands to take yeah. care of the healing work. Oh, I have chills over my entire body right now. Oh, this is great stuff. Oh, I did not know, Eliza, that this is where this <laughs> conversation was going to go. I knew it as soon as you said my mom taught the Reiki three level <laughs> workshop. I was like, oh, we going there today? Okay. Okay. That's what I just signed up for. <sighs> well, I have a, another little story that I really want to share. And I think it ties in, I hope because I've been home with my mom and we've been clearing the space, like physically getting rid of a lot of things. And I found the other night this thing and it was called bliss in a box. And it was like a kit for a contemplative weekend retreat at home. And I was like, mm. this is so cheesy. Like, 
And I hadn't even said anything out loud. I was just thinking in my head, like, it's so funny that my mom bought this. Um, but then she said, she saw me holding it and she was like, you know, we found that at your grandmother's house. Hmm. And I think of my grandmother as I knew her and it's had to be later in life that she bought it. Like, because it's a nice looking, new looking thing. And I was like, this obviously has come out in the last 10 years. And then I just was imagining my grandma, like seeing this and not having done a lot of like, quote unquote, personal growth work Hmm. and thinking that it sounded nice a contemplative hmm. weekend retreat at home. And then like imagining the person who she was in that moment to make that purchase. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if she ever did it or not. I really like to think that she did, but I felt like in that moment that I knew her in a way I had never known her before. And I think I had such such an overwhelming love for her when I thought about her purchasing this thing and who she had to be in that moment to make that purchase. And I think that that is another huge gift that you're giving to women through the mother line is the chance to relate to these stories in a way they've never related to them before, because telling a story that you know about your ancestors is completely different than stepping inside that moment and enacting it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Now I have chills all over my body. (laughs) Well, I want to know if there have been any moments like that for you. You said a little bit about being like, oh, this is where I learned anger. Have there been any kind of like delightful moments or moments of like overwhelming connection and love for one of the women in your line as you've been working with your stories? Um, uh, Many, many. Every time you tell a story, like you said, you step into that empathic place. One specifically, I told a story as my mother. And this was the day, the only time my mother ever spanked me. I had left <laughs> the door open when I was playing. And my younger brother, who was like a year and a half, had gotten out and toddled all the way down to the, the road in front of our house. And, and she, you know, she saw him and she screamed and she ran out into the road and got him. And she brought me back inside spank the shit out of me um (laughs) or that's the way it felt to me so this was a huge day in my memory in my life and you know Mm -hmm. i retold the story and realized this day had not been about me at all Mm -hmm. this had been about her oof and uh that exercise of empathy is so it's just like oh it's just good to do feels good um Mm. Yeah, I, I talked to her. So I talked to her about it, of course. And, you know, it was an, it's an amazing story. It's a moment of, of crisis for her where she decided what kind of mother she was going to be, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like, in her mind, what narrowly happened that day wasn't just that, like, the baby almost died. It was that, like, I almost could have been responsible and then mm-hmm. I would have had to live with that my whole life. Mm-hmm. So, like, these that was the terror. And um, I don't think I really... I, I certainly didn't take that in as I was, like, five years old getting spent. <laughs> I did not take that reality in. Right. Well, you did. You didn't, and you did. Because whatever, I think, level of emotion you had tied to that experience of the spanking, like... 
that was a transfer of emotion too. It wasn't mm-hmm. just, you know, so, so you didn't have any idea. And yet on some level you did receive <laughs> the bigness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And every time we do this stuff like that comes up, it's just great. People find these voices. They find these opinions. They find these very strong opinions. And then all of a sudden have all this empathy and this excitement and just this love for the people who came before them is wild. It's so wild. My, uh, it's funny you're talking about your grandmother. My grandmother got pretty bad dementia in the last years of her life and lived with my family. And up until that point, she had kind of held people at arm's length emotionally. Mm. And, uh, when she got dementia, she didn't know who we were. She had no concept of the future. She had no concept of the past. She became super nice. Mm. Super nice. And I remember thinking, oh man, who, who were you before all of the experiences of your life taught you to be a certain way? Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't really know her, you know? I really didn't know her. So that, that was the doorway for me to start this project. A lot of my stories have been about her um, imagining what she might have been going through uh, because that was a, she was a person who did not let people in. So that was, that was that the initial seed for me, you know, imagine what she must have felt. And it has been very rewarding. <laughs> oh, I love this. You know, Eliza, I feel really called to say to you that, whether or not you think of yourself this way, I think that you are an incredible healer. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and I think it's, I feel like the impact of this project is something that you can't even begin to fathom mm-hmm. yet. Well, um, fingers crossed. And I will definitely, uh, I will definitely work and put all of my energy into making that true. So, you know, keep your eyes peeled for us. We're coming. We're coming. We're coming. I like that. Wait, so it's so funny. We've talked so much about the concept and we haven't talked so much about your actual experience. What was it like a year ago today to see that first performance? Like, tell us oh, it was how really, you were feeling it was, and like, what it was were you great. thinking? It was great. It was, this was the first performance. So it meant it. It, this was literally the the moment where it went from this is a cool thing that works in a living room. Would it work on stage? <laughs> we don't know. Let's find out. Maybe great living room material. Yes, super great. <laughs> um, and uh, we staged it with twelve actresses. It was like something like twelve actresses. I don't know, man. That's how exhausted I was. We did it in a rehearsal room. Uh, there was no admission, and we said there would be free wine and baked goods. <laughs> and we got 80 people to show up. Oh, boy. Oh, wow. And they filled this room, and we had this concept that we were going to put the performers in the center, and then we're going to have the the audience on, on like, l- like layers on either side of them. Dixon we, Place is little. Oh, yeah, but this wasn't in Dixon Place. This was before oh, okay. Dixon Place. Okay. Yeah, this is like a rehearsal room, and we just, okay, like, okay. we put them in there like two giant... Oh... <sighs> <laughs> it basically looked like a giant yoni. We just sat the audience <laughs> in these, the two lips oh of this giant God. yoni, and then we That's had the so performers amazing. in the that center. Uh, and it was for me like I oh man, I don't know if I've ever been that nervous. And it was really helpful that I was in the show that 
that day. Which is incredible because just like for context, like Eliza, she acts and was the woodsman off Broadway? Broadway. Yes, off Broadway. Yeah. So she's like an off Broadway, like. That's a situation that will give you nerves, I feel like. <laughs> so for you to say that this was the most nervous you've ever been, like, I just want people to, like, understand what that level of nervousness was like. Yes, it was very, it was very nervous. I was, I was very nervous. And the show was wonderful. It was, it felt so connected to the audience that was there, and they were all so present. And uh, my mom was there in the audience. Mm. Um, there were a few moms there in the audience. It felt like this huge, amazing <laughs> birth <laughs> into the world. Yeah, I, the, the, gosh, the, the, the puns are just rife. They're everywhere. It's great. But, like, it was. It was a birth. And then afterwards, like, uh, we said, thank you, and we, l- we love that you came, and we can't wait to talk to you about it, but we have to get out of this room, so let's all go to the bar. And so, like, we pointed the way to the bar, and then the first thing I did was hug my mom and, like, mm. all weepy. And then I was just immediately the most exhausted I've ever been. (laughs) Just so tired, but like happy and just completely spent. And um, then we kept going. We did more. (laughs) And then we did more and we did more. And uh, the idea is to keep going and to keep focusing it and make it about action and make it about not just the content, the stories, the stories are all focused and they're all about action. You know, they're not, they're not in it. They're not trying to see, see these women or these stories through any type of like looking glass or like uh, sentimental pedestal. They're just like through action, through doing like, what were they doing? Cause they were doing nonstop for a whole lifetime. What were they doing? Um, and it's an inspiration to us to keep doing, to keep making, to keep hosting, to keep facilitating. And, um, it's, I think it's one of the most, um, rewarding and meaningful things I've ever been a part of. So cool. While you were talking and you were saying that it's the most exhausted you've ever felt, but just like happy and spent. I was (laughs) like, it sounds exactly like a birth. (laughs) (laughs) It does, right? It's emotional yeah. and uh, artistic birth. <laughs> and now you get to mother it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> now it's a job. Oh, you know? now it's a job. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that is a that is an apt analogy. That is so... <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I love it. Wow. wow. Really cool. <laughs> well, okay, so, Sally, do you have any questions? I feel like I'm really just, like bulldozing through this right now and not ever even giving you a chance to talk but i have another question go for it okay okay so when you started you know a lot of actors and i know that you've had a lot of actors thus far Mm -hmm. but i think i also know that your hope is to expand it to non-actors so tell me a little bit about that desire and how you think that works because i know that that's got to be Mm-hmm. Yeah, challenging well, for a non-actor. Yes, for sure, for sure. And um, you know, I'm secretly asking because everybody I've told Eliza that I want to do this. So <laughs> I'm secretly like, okay, but what advice do you have for me? <laughs> I'm terrified. Absolutely, but. absolutely. Well, the 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 idea in starting with actors is that they are many of them are already used to the idea of creating their own content and performing it. That's mm-hmm. that's it. That this is for anyone, for everyone. 
and uh, that we are working currently on curriculum that will like really that will really let people who aren't used to writing content and then performing it get used to it. So it'll be a, a series of workshops where people can write privately before they before they come to the workshop. And then when they get to the workshop, there'll be a series of workshops where they they share a little, they get up on their feet and they do physical exercises, we do brainstorming, we do games, and then we share. And so it's a way to bring your creative voice out in this specific platform. We have a very specific writing structure. So we realize that this isn't something that most people do every day. So we're creating a workshop setup where you could feel really comfortable doing it like you did do it every day. That's our next step. How supportive. Yes, yes you can come. Please come and do a story at our next <laughs> workshop, please. You are both oh. on the mailing list. You will both get the email. Oh my gosh. Well, and Sally can help you. Well, I'm sorry, Sally, I'm just volunteering. Your services. I was like, when you're ready to get it up and like really running in LA, that's where Sally is. So can- yes. Aha. There you go. Yep. I'm here she for you. She can help. Let us know. We'll come out there. We'll do a show in LA. I'm like all about a, it. A West Coast mother line. Yes. Oh, this is great. Oh my God. I'm already thinking of people I know in LA who would be so into this. Okay. I got to calm down and like come back to the present. <laughs> This is what happens. I get really excited about like a business idea or like a creative <laughs> idea and then I just go. <laughs> oh, okay. Sally, do you have any any questions? No, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> well, we talked about this off the air, but usually Tyla asks the questions that are in my head. She just gets to it first because those are our co- that's her conversation style naturally anyway. So it's really that's why I usually don't have questions. <laughs> lovely, lovely. Okay. Well, I guess I guess we'll wrap up. <laughs> Tyler sounds very know. disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> this has been so great, you guys. Thank you for thank you so oh, much for having me. You're so welcome. It's such it's a been gift. Such a pleasure. Yeah. Okay, before we go, I want to invite you to again close your eyes and take a deep breath and think about everything that's unfolded in this last year. And share with us in one word how you're feeling about it now. Empowered. Mm -hmm. Love that word. And if from the person you are today, you could speak directly to the woman that you were a year ago today, what would you say? Oh, man. I know exactly what I would say. (laughs) Um, uh, That feeling of like having power and agency that you're just like, you know, that feeling and it feels really good. Trust that feeling. Mm. (laughs) Don't trust the other feelings that people tell you are the right feeling. Trust that feeling. Mm. (laughs) Oh man. This is magical. I know. Ah! (laughs) (sighs) All right. So, well, for everybody out there listening, if you want to know more about the mother line, Eliza's now going to give you all of the ways that you can find out about that. <laughs> you can check out our website, www.motherlinestoryproject.com uh, for videos, podcasts, more info, show dates, um, how, the, how to get us to your community to do a motherline workshop. All these things are there. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at motherline story. 
uh, on Instagram at Motherline Story and on Facebook, just the Motherline Story Project. If you're interested in me and my goings on, my yes, Twitter is, my Twitter is um, at Eliza Simpson twenty three. My Instagram is the same, and <laughs> I'm on Facebook too. If you can find her, if you can multiple find identities, me. I am sneaky that way. Oh, but I have a website, um, and the website is elizasimpson.com. So you can also get in touch with me that way. <laughs> Whether I get back is, you know. <laughs> Good luck getting a response from Eliza yeah. unless you know where to find her. But you gotta, if you put like, a, there's like the, the uteral, the uterine symbol up on the, the bat symbol. If you just find it into the sky, I'll find I you. I love it. I love <laughs> it. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Sally, where can the people find you on the internet? They can find me at Sally Simply on social media and at sallymercedes.com for singing and writing and unmuted expression doc unmutedexpression.com I know how to speak guys uh, for all other work I guess Great. what about you I'm at tylafowler.com and tylafowler on Instagram and Facebook so that's where you can find me and you can find our podcast at a year ago podcast on social media or at a year ago podcast.com or at a year ago podcast at gmail uh, those are all the things. Send us send all us the email. emails. Oh my god! Please make Tyla's life and send us some email. It's really funny because our we're a little. I was gonna say we're behind, but that's not true. We're ahead. We're ahead by a so lot. So we've recorded. We're recording this episode probably like a month before it's gonna air. So if I'm like begging for email right now, and you've already been sending us email, that's amazing. That would be hilarious if somebody were listening and was like, "But I sent you like five emails." I know, I know. <laughs> Because in the last, I feel like in the last one or the one before, I was like literally begging. I was like, please, please. And I still feel that way. Please send us emails. You guys, it makes our life to yeah, hear from you. It's so great. We've started making up emails that you're sending us. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking yeah. about doing like a question and answer thing. And we were like, well, I guess we could just make up the questions. It's great, guys. Please um, send us your questions so we don't have to do that. <laughs> Yeah, please do that. And you could also check out Zena Hell if you like our intro outro music at Z-Y-N-A-H-E-L on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and SoundCloud. Those are all the things. Thanks for listening. We love you. Oh, thanks, Eliza, again for coming on. Thank you for having me. This has been big magic. So Yay! fun. <laughs> all right. We love you guys out there listening. Thanks so much. Peace out. Mm-hmm.